as a city, we acknowledge that the role of policies and practices and programs that have predicted outcomes for residents based on their race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and, and other circumstances. So what we're trying to do or striving to do is to embed equity principles, practices, and measurements into our policies, programs, and plans to achieve a situation where all Dallas residents can thrive and neither race nor ethnicity statistically can predict social outcomes. Hello and welcome to another edition of TrackCast, the official podcast of the Real Estate Council from deep in the heart of Dallas, Texas. I'm Bill San Antonio. Thank you for joining us. On today's show, you'll hear from Liz Cedillo Pereira, who is Chief of Equity and Inclusion for the City of Dallas. She met with us just before Thanksgiving as part of our Track Talks event series to discuss her work in overseeing the city's Office of Ethics and Compliance, Office of Equity, Office of Fair Housing and Human Rights, and the Office of Welcoming Communities and Immigrant Affairs. We're grateful to Liz for her time, and we'd also like to thank Bell Nunnally Attorneys and Counselors for its support of Track Talks. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app to get all new episodes as they are released, and be sure to follow us on social media for the latest from around our organization. You'll find links to everything in the show notes. Now, here's our latest Trek Talks event with Liz Cedillo Pereira, Chief of Equity and Inclusion for the City of Dallas, right here on TrackCast. Hello, everyone. And thanks so much for joining. We're excited to have a guest today for Trek Talks, Liz Dio Pereira. She is the Chief of Equity and Inclusion at the City of Dallas. Um, as we give a little bit of background on Liz, um, she's Chief of Equity and Inclusion and provides executive leadership to the Office of Ethics and Compliance, Office of Equity, Office of Fair Housing and Human Rights, and the Office of Welcoming Communities and Immigrant Affairs. Um, Liz previously served as the director of the Office of Welcoming Communities and Immigrant Affairs, better known as WCIA, back in March 2017. And in that position, she oversaw the community-driven process to develop comprehensive strategic welcoming plan for the city, which was adopted by the council in October 2018, which was a big milestone for the city. Um, she's a native of Dallas and uh, has more than 15 years of experience at the federal, state, and local level in human rights, immigration, and anti-trafficking related matters. Before joining the city, she was senior advisor to the director at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, where she focused on immigration policy, overseeing the agency implementation of numerous policy priorities. Uh, in addition, she led the agency's revamped community engagement initiatives through the office, which was um, established, uh, called the Office of Community Engagement to foster relations in communities across the United States. Um, she's an SMU, JD alum, and undergrad at Penn uh, with lots of honors and, and, and accolades. Um, so with that, um, we wanted to uh, give a little introduction of her bio, and we're excited to have her um, on the call today for Trek Talks. And with that, we wanted to, um, Liz, have you maybe start us off with, you know, uh, 20 minutes or so of uh, your presentation, and then we'll leave some room at the end 
uh, for some questions. We do have some questions um, that some of the PPC members wanted to share, some of which I'm sure you'll cover in your remarks. And then we'll have um, any uh, last minute uh, that's left on the agenda for those that have joined today to perhaps uh, ask a question that may not have been covered. And so with that, let's give a round of applause to Liz and welcome her to the screen. Thank you, Maddie. Can you hear me okay? We can. Oh, that's wonderful. And thank you for the um, introduction and Linda for running my slides. I, I like to put the slides up so you don't have to see my face the whole time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you. And, and thanks, Trek and the Public Policy Committee for, for the invitation today. As Maddie said, I'm Liz Cedillo Pereira, and I currently serve as the Chief of Equity and Inclusion for the City of Dallas. And I'm really grateful to have this time to discuss some of our equity and inclusion initiatives as the city does its part in building a racial equity e ecosystem across the broad themes of economic opportunity, education, neighborhood and infrastructure, justice and government, and public health systems. And I know that Trek has been engaged in this work and certainly we, we see ourselves as working alongside our partners as we're all more focused and intentional about how do we structure our city such that we are uh, centering the idea of being equitable and inclusion. So today I'm gonna cover, you can go to the next slide, Linda, our values of service, you may have heard, you probably had several city speakers at this point come speak to your committee. TC perhaps, or, or Dr. Johnson or, or Robin Bentley. Um, but I'm gonna talk about our values of service and, and how that work you know, really is foundation is foundationed or it's, it's uh, rooted in the values of service that we have defined for ourselves. And, and talk about a little bit about how we're defining equity and also the office's mission and structure. We're talking about a little bit about some of our efforts and, and, and things that, of course, other people in the city can speak to better than me, like the economic development policy, but I, I, I'm, a, I'm anticipating there could be some questions about it and where we are at this point. Certainly, um, if I don't have the answers today, I'd love to, to loop back and, and connect you with whomever needs to be connected with. And, uh, and talking about a little bit about our, our racial equity plan that is in its nascent stages. And then, of course, I always end with the invitation to um, have everybody be involved in our work because it really is a, is a group effort. So I'm going on to the next slide. Hold on, sorry, it's not, there we go. That's okay, <laughs> that's okay. And, and as, as previously stated, we have four core values of service here at the city and we're committed to these uh, four values. The service is still, service first is, is at the core of it and delivering a responsive and proactive service that meets the needs of our, our Dallas residents. And, and, and in building this service first culture, we're guided by, by the core values of empathy, ethics, excellence, and equity. And I like to say that a lot of my work that I do is centered in, in, in our core values because I, I do oversee the equity division. I, I do oversee currently the ethics. If you're following this, you may see that there's a, a lot of dynamic um, conversation about uh, the development of, of ethics here at the city. And there's actually a meeting tomorrow afternoon that is going to discuss um, a plan to, to create an Office of Inspector General here at the city. And so my team and I focus on normalizing and operationalizing these four E's. And uh, Dr. Lindsay Wilson, I don't know, this, I don't think she's joined us yet, 
but she is our equity officer. And um, she, her team is deeply rooted in how do we normalize and how do we operationalize equity specifically. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, but if she joins us, I'd love for her to um, be engaged with us as well. Next slide, please. We decided for ourselves that it was really important that we have an operating definition of what equity is. We often hear that term used um, a lot more now than, um, than maybe five years ago. Uh, and in fact, um, I think sometimes it's overused <laughs> to an extent. And so when I, when I try to use the word, I try to have it be meaningful. And, and how is it being meaningful? What's meaning that we are centering people, the people of Dallas, uh, with making sure that we're addressing resources and services necessary to thrive in each person's unique identities, circumstances, and histories. And, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about how, how we do that. What tools do we use to, to ensure that we're focusing on how do we address the unique needs of our, of our residents and take into, into account circumstances and history. And next slide, please. Well, I'm sorry, if you can go back one more time. Just uh, a quick note that we know that equity, of course, difference, differs from equality in that it accounts for people's unique identities and circumstances and histories. And it also means reducing disparities and improving outcomes for all. So that um, illustration that was up at the, at the previous slide is, is, is our team's effort to change it. You may have seen that illustration. I don't know if you can go back, Linda. It's going forward. Um, but it really just centers people in terms of looking at history and looking at our history in Dallas specifically. Uh, when you see this illustration, usually it, it shows people trying to look over the fence, right? And, and some are shorter, or maybe some of them are in, um, different able, differently abled and maybe in a wheelchair. But we decided that it's, it's not that people are any differently sized necessarily, but it's about you know, where we come from where we um, where we're going. So equality gives everybody the same sort of step stool to try to see over the fence. And, and you may or may not be, it may or may not be to your fitting. Um, but equity, of course, uh, gives people these step stools or takes into account people's differences in order to achieve that equity. And so that little mountain that you see sort of at a slant takes into account the history of where, of where we're coming from about uh, what advantages people may have come into this world with um, or disadvantages they may have come into this world with, at least from an economic standpoint or social standpoint. So next slide. And just wanted to give you a, uh, a brief recitation of, of who, what departments or what offices that I oversee. Um, I know that Nettie just covered it really, but in case you want follow-up or you need to connect with us and there's an issue that you can't get resolved, certainly you can always reach out to me and I will attempt to connect you with whom you need to be connected with. But I directly oversee uh, 311 Customer Service led by John Johnson and the Office of Environmental Quality. Uh, we're now um, in the interview stages to, to find a, a permanent director, but now, right now, Sheila Delgado is serving in the interim capacity. I oversee Office of Equity and Inclusion and ethics and compliance, our ethics officer is uh, Misty Hernandez-Peterson. Um, next slide, please. And just to give you a little bit more background, 
of the Office of Equity and Inclusion, the city consolidated its offices of equity, fair housing and human rights, resilience and welcoming communities and immigrant affairs into one integrated office of equity and inclusion two budget cycles ago. So now these offices have five divisions that advance their own work plans while also collaborating with each other in other city departments. And I'm really pleased to talk about each division's work plans. They, uh, they're smaller, but mighty uh, team of, of individuals who are really committed to, to their area, but together uh, they advance equity, inclusion, and in some instances, social justice so that all Dallas sites can thrive. And we work with our city council and our mayor, of course, to guide our efforts from a community engagement and governance perspective. So our equity goal, you're, you're great if you wanna move forward. Next slide, please. As a city, we acknowledge that the role of policies and practices and programs that have predicted outcomes for residents based on their race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, and, and other circumstances. So what we're trying to do or striving to do is to embed equity principles, practices, and measurements into our policies, programs, and plans to achieve a situation where all Dallas residents can thrive and neither race nor ethnicity statistically can predict social outcomes. And so the figure to the right uh, you'll see is the cornerstone of an equitable government model that we have embraced. So we're using anal data, analyzing data. We're engaging our community and being accountable for equity. These are the cornerstones and they're not, they're not necessarily sequential uh, for government to understand the benefits and the burdens that policy and service decisions and um, have outcomes and, and how are we addressing those to meet the current needs of our residents. You may have uh, as a group or individually participated in the development of the economic development policy that was led um, from the city's staff perspective by Dr. Johnson and Robin Bentley. And, and you'll see in that plan that equity is not only discussed, but it's at the center, it's at, at the core um, of that policy. And if you haven't, haven't read it, I'm happy to send it to you by email. Um, if you send me your email and I'll provide my email at, at the end of this conversation. So we've utilized this model to achieve um, equitable and inclusive recovery, not only during the pandemic, but also from ongoing stresses that our residents are facing, stresses that are daily and stresses that have been with us for, for quite some time, such as systemic racism and working to, to build resilience. This work, of course, is, is newish. It's nascent and relative to, to all of the work that has been done previous, but yet progress is being made. And so Lindsay, our, our, our equity officer, likes to say that it's often um, a process and an outcome, not one or the other, but actually both. So we see equity at the end of a process or a program not necessarily integrating equity at the core center. And we recognize that we have to be intentional upfront about where we are discussing equity and inclusion principles. Next slide, please. So I know all of you are engaged in public policy work. And so you may already know that the city of Dallas has received $355.4 million from the American Rescue Plan Act with 50, with, us, with the city receiving 50% already and 50% in May of 2022. 
Now, you also may have heard that these funds, you know, are a once in a lifetime opportunity to address inequities and close disparities faced by communities of color and our lower income neighborhoods. So what we have done at the Office of Equity and Inclusion is developed an equitable investment framework to guide our city departments and their investments in historically underinvested communities to ensure equitable recovery. Because really that is at the center of that legislation. In fact, it's, it's written out in the regulations that uh, equity should be centered in the, the, in the allocation of ARPA-related dollars. So not only are we moving through the pandemic in a more equitable manner, but we're also longer term situating ourselves for the future. And so the framework focuses on being responsive, uh, not only to what the legislation calls for, but also an executive order to focus on racial equity through data. And so this data, this framework uses six strategies to embed equity principles in the allocation of these funds. So we're looking at benefits and burdens, understanding that an investment may benefit or burden populations because of existing disparities or inequities. We're looking at data analysis and we're dis disaggregating the data, both qualitatively and in a quantitative manner to highlight and understand unique circumstances and, and experiences of various populations. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. As we have been looking at the digital divide, uh, the, the pandemic has just really exposed uh, for us as our, as our students, our, our children, and, and all of our community and the workforce have now gone online um, during COVID-19. We, of course, understood in a real life, real time manner that not everybody had, is receiving internet in the same manner across the city. And so we use disaggregated data um, used by the federal government through the FCC, but also in retaining our own consultant to, um, to run studies, speed studies, and, uh, and as well as a survey of our Dallas residents to understand how communities are receiving their internet service. And so with that data, we understand that there are disparate impacts on communities that have been historically underinvested in. And so we're using our ARPA framework to understand how do we address those needs, center those needs of the people who are disproportionately um, not receiving internet service in this, in this time and day. And we're engaging with our community, designing methods of engagement that heal and repair community government relations. And, and I'll talk about that a little bit more when I talk about our racial equity plan. We also want to hold ourselves to be accountable and transparent to evaluate and assess any unintended racial or socioeconomic consequences, as well as the benefits and burdens. And sometimes it's a hard pill to swallow um, when people are uh, relating to you, um, their frustration with city processes or the lack of trust in city processes, et cetera. But it's work that we feel that it's necessary to get toward the, the healing and the trust building process. And then we're aligning and identifying existing plans and strategies to coordinate resources and maximize the benefit to the community in addressing multiple issues. If you had seen yesterday the, um, the council briefing, um, one, of our, one of our goals at the city is to look at all of the plans that, that the city has created within the last decade or so, and there's quite a few, to see how do we align them? How do we be strategic about what we're gonna focus on in the near and long-term future? 
And then we want to amplify and use our various platforms um, that use technology or use word of mouth that often are trying to break barriers um, because we know that people receive communications in many different formats. And, uh, and we also know that we have a very diverse language community where 43% of Dallas residents speak a language other than English in the home. So we're, we're trying to be intentional about how do we reach all Dallas residents understanding that our diversity is not only an asset, but it's something that um, we need to be mindful of when we're attempting to, to reach out and communicate to our various communities. So that's, that is in a nutshell, the actual framework for ARPA. Each department that has received dollars related to ARPA uh, are going through this training process with our resilience and our equity team um, so that we can be intentional upfront before we start allocating um, dollars. Next slide, please. Just a real quick highlight. I, I wanted to highlight some of our efforts to embed and operationalize equity, utilizing our resilient Dallas strategy and our equitable investment framework that I just talked about, beginning with our fair housing assessment process, which is, I think, relevant to Trek's work. In the existing hot market, home ownership has become a less attainable uh, for some of our community members. And so our 2019 equity indicators report finds that more than half of white households in Dallas own their home, 56%, uh, followed by Hispanic at 45%, Asian at 45%, and Blacks, African-Americans at 27%. So this was an intentional effort on the part of our team to understand um, how people are, are faring in terms of outcomes. So this equity indicator is important to us as we try to figure out how do we use this information to address these outcomes. This 2020 equity indicators report points out that single women with children face special challenges as they were forced to balance uh, increased at-home childcare needs, right, while maintaining work. And many, of course, were driven out of the workforce due to school childcare and work closures and due to wages that perhaps don't sufficiently cover these, child, these costs of childcare. So although it's too soon to capture the full extent of, of home loss due to COVID-19 pandemic, we know that many Dallas residents have been challenged by job loss, income loss, and keeping up with rent or mortgage payments. And, and, and so it's been noted that some of these systemic inequities exist in housing and real estate practices, sometimes at compound disadvantage. So it's important, we believe, to consider how the market can regulate itself uh, to avoid unbalanced and what could be potentially discriminatory practices that uphold systemic housing inequities. So um, we have a fair housing assessment tool. Um, the Office of Equity and Inclusion oversees the assessment tool. And in 2021, we developed this, um, this protocol and, and continue to actually refine it. So we would be interested in uh, having feedback from members of TREC. And the protocol and the tool are, are used to assess proposed housing projects or developments that um, are receiving city funds or tax credits uh, or no objection and or support. And it's not limited to like LIHTC or no fund economic development incidents, but we focus mostly on the LIHTC uh, tax credits that are, that are coming through the city through the housing department. And the assessment tool consists of three parts, including the scoring of goals, a summary analysis, 
and, and department updates. And in this process, we've outlined six goals that are based on object, uh, objectives that were outlined in the North Texas Regional Housing Assessment that, that occurred in 2018. Um, so I'm happy to, to run through these goals, but in, a, in essence, it's, it's about looking to see if these projects increase access to affordable housing in high opportunity areas, um, are these projects preventing loss of existing affordable housing stock and increasing supply of new affordable housing, especially, especially in high opportunity areas? Are these projects increasing supply of accessible affordable housings for persons with disabilities? Are these projects making investments in targeted neighborhoods to increase opportunity while protecting residents from displacement? Are these projects increasing support and services for residents of public supported housing? and maintaining and improving the quality and management of public supported housing? And are these projects increasing access to information and resources on fair and affordable housing? So last year, um, that's our fair housing assessment tool. And we are always happy to get information and feedback uh, related to it. And I'm happy to discuss that at the end of, the, of, our, of this presentation. Last year, following the rise in evictions during the pandemic, the city of Dallas actually used federal funds to launch an evictions assistance initiative. And, and so we know from the Child Poverty Action Lab, um, data shows that the top 15% of census tracts with eviction filings were majority residents of color, 40.7% African-American and 33.4% Hispanic, um, but only 18.8% non-Hispanic white and 0.2% Asian. On the other hand, census tracts with the least eviction rates were majority white at 57.8%. So the Evictions Assistance Initiative actually provides uh, legal services to those people who would otherwise not be able to afford legal representation. And we are, uh, have partnered with the Legal Aid of Northwest Texas to provide legal services to residents, including advising, briefing, and providing full legal representation before uh, the JP courts, which over, has oversight, of course, of the evictions processes. We've also worked with landlord association, apartment association, to, to get the information out to, um, to landlords and to others so that we can also make sure that our whole community knows about the rental assistance program that the city has engaged in. And then we're also providing basic information on people's rights and responsibilities in this moment. One success story that comes to mind is, uh, is when a client came to us at an outreach event at, at one of the JP courts, and the client had just lost the, the CDC declaration challenge and was scheduled for an evictions trial. And upon meeting the applicant, it was clear that the family had been severely affected by COVID-19. Living at the apartment was the client, the wife, their autistic son, who was now having to attend school remotely, and the client's mother-in-law who was elderly and had severe medical issues. So anyway, the client was unemployed, needed services, and was able to actually receive services through this program. And we filed, the landlord filed a petition showing that the landlord had not met the requisite obligatory waiting period to, for the eviction act, action. And the staff attorney provided full representation uh, at the hearing and the case was dismissed. So this just is, this goes to show how we are working to build more socially just uh, outcomes because we know that if people stay housed, well that is um, 
a big, a big shift in how we are lo looking at and addressing the unique circumstances of our Dallas residents. So just wanted to go to the next slide and talk a little bit about economic development. The city of Dallas is addressing equity um, in our equity, equi excuse, excuse me, economic development and land use policies led by Dr. Eric Anthony Johnson, who's our chief of economic development and neighborhood services. And in May of 2021, the Dallas City Council adopted an economic development policy that we believe fosters economic growth and social progress. And um, happy to, of course, send that to you if you don't already have happen to have it, and also the mayor talked about it today at his state of the city uh, and how the city is, is looking to, to develop an economic development corporation or, or an entity that actually champions all of the assets that the city has to, to drive business here, to drive uh, investment here, and to center our residents so that uh, people can live, work, and thrive in our community. We've also established a small business center within the last budget, which is going to be focusing on business diversity, workforce development, and entrepreneurship. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, I wanted to touch on this because it was one of the first uses of our ARPA funds and the American Rescue Plan Act dollars that I talked about at the beginning. And we knew that um, we were not, like, like I said previously, this once in a lifetime opportunity to have this amount of federal funds. So the city of Dallas is, is making bold resource investments in long-term ways to drive equitable results and has allocated $37.4 million to extend Dallas water utility, water and wastewater service to occupied areas of the city that are currently underserved. The city is also allocating $10 million to install water and wastewater infrastructure in partnership with the development of affordable housing units. Next slide, please. So the last piece I, I wanted to highlight is our forthcoming racial equity plan, which will help the city of Dallas move the needle on our racial equity and ethnic equity efforts and helps build accountability for everybody, uh, things that I've talked about previously today. And on March 24th, the city council approved a racial equity plan, a resolution unanimously reaffirming our city's commitment to provide racial equity through our policy development here at the city. And so building on the efforts that we've had to date, we have for the last three years now engaged in a budgeting for equity analysis. And this is the first year that we pass a budget uh, that has been reviewed by every department where the, every department has actually enumerated its equity goals for the year. And, and it's in their section, each department section of the budget. So if you ever wanna take a look about how we are operationalizing equity, just go to our website, look up our budget book, and, and there'll be like three to five goals after, after each department on what they're doing this year to operationalize and prioritize equity. Uh, we'd love to know if you think that it resonates or if you think it might miss the mark, because of course we are a work in progress and constantly working to improve ourselves and our analysis. Um, but this racial equity plan with the help of an outside consultant Cospiro consultant is, is now engaged in, in talking to members of the council to get their priorities, what their vision for the plan is, and are looking at plans that are already existing. Because really, you know, plan is sort of a misnomer. It's not really a plan per se, it's a strategy of again, embedding and operationalizing equity into the work of every department. 
So um, we hope that you will be interested in engaging with us in this process. And if you are, uh, please let us know because we will reach out to you for forthcoming uh, upcoming community engagement events. So next slide, please. Uh, we, like I said, we are in the nascent stages of doing our community engagement related to the racial equity plan. Uh, we would like to deliver it to the city council in, in this late spring of this coming year. And uh, so now is the time to get involved if you'd like to. Also, we'd love for you to stay informed by signing up for our equity and inclusion newsletter at dallascityhall.com forward slash OEI and, and learn more about our budget process and our equity goals within the budget at financialtransparency.dallascityhall.com. Again, just a reminder, as, as we all know now, next slide, that equity is all of our work. And certainly the Office of Equity Inclusion doesn't see ourselves as working in a silo or in charge of every equity initiative at the city. We see ourselves as a, as a team player in, in helping forward the value of service that we call equity and getting to addressing the root causes of disparities so that we can all build a stronger Dallas together. So with that, I think uh, the next slide has our contact information and uh, please scan and learn more about our work uh, with that QR code and turn it back over to Linda to see if we might be able to have time for a discussion. Thank you, Liz. That was very encouraging and enlightening, um, particularly the part about being intentional with all of these strategies. I'm anxious to see, you know, I didn't appreciate the bullets per budget uh, area per department and that there's um, a directive that the budgeted dollars are to be um, with a platform of equity. So that's enlightening uh, to know. And we definitely want to be part of the solution. And so we do, do, we do have a few questions and then we'll open it up for the floor. But um, what do you see um, that Dallas is doing well, Liz, in advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion um, that based on this, what you've just told us in the last two and a half years, what do you think that we're doing well as a city? And what are one or two things that you think we can do better at? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, thank you. And thanks for the comments, Maddie. I think that what we're doing well is that prioritizing equity and inclusion. And because we all know that we're a very diverse city and, um, and that by leveraging the diversity of our city and centering equity, we can actually um, benefit from that diversity, right? Because diversity is, is uh, the first step, but without being inclusive and being equitable, we will continue to have these disparities persisting uh, from generation to generation. And, and so the city has prioritized and centered equity work. And it's not always a comfortable scenario because when the scenario, when the conversation is about everybody gets an equal piece of this pie, um, that's not always how it is when you're discussing equity, right? It's about where, where do we apply uh, resources that, that where there is most need for investment? And, and so that is the, that is the challenge uh, of an equity conversation. And so I would say that while it's a strength that we have 
now prioritized equity, right? We have an office of equity, we have an equity officer, we have a budgeting for equity tool. We have um, all of our departments have training on equity principles, some of them which I covered today, uh, getting into principles and how do we advance equity and how do you budget for it so that it has meaning, right? Because if we believe if we don't have dollars behind it, then it's it's uh, not as meaningful or, or maybe even performative. So um, that is what I think we're getting right. Um, what, what where we have challenges are is how does everybody get comfortable or uncomfortable rather with the notion that um, equality and equity are not the same thing. And, and that in order to, to close disparities, we have to focus on where the greatest needs are. I agree with that on the getting people informed about the distinction between the two. Um, I know we had a big um, milestone accomplishment with the comprehensive housing plan. And it started from 2016, then we had to kind of correct um, where the calendar was off on allowing bonds throughout the year. So that got um, a supplement, if you will. And um, it's our understanding that there's an equity audit to occur with the comprehensive housing plan. Um, tell us about that and what you hope to see at the end of that process. You know, I, um, I, we had my team had some initial conversations with the auditors or the team that is doing the consulting because you have an outside consultant that is overseeing the, off, the audit. And I know that they are in the middle of organizing that plan. And I have not seen truthfully uh, where they are with what their recommendations are or what their findings are. Because we spoke to them very at the very beginning of the process. So, so thanks for the question. I have been meaning to check in with David uh, Noguera uh, to see, see where we are. Um, but, but I know that you know, affordability, housing affordability, displacement of, of communities, who have been long-term residents um, at the as as newer development occurs in areas that have been um, maybe historically occupied by communities of color, um, affordability, uh, density doesn't necessarily mean affordability, and uh, and from the equity perspective, how are we ensuring that we're utilizing all the tools in this toolbox to ensure more integrated communities while also ensuring that, that people are able to live where they want to live and, and have access to all the amenities of Dallas. So, so I'm, I'm hoping uh, to see that come out of the plan. Right, and so is it clear, just wanna make sure we're clear. So David is managing the auditor and somehow there's a connection between your department just because of what you do and that third party uh, contractor I mean, what's well, the time? I'm anxious about it because I do workforce housing. So I personally am anxious about it and I see all of the crazy. Um, and so I try to lean into positive and see how we can advance the needle for, you know, a better Dallas overall. But I don't think there's a, like a sensitivity or, or appreciation of some of the challenges that are going on. And so how some, some things are just not advancing um, and so I was curious, uh, and I think this is one of the questions that, that we had as a group, is what's the timeline for that? Do we have any idea? That's a great question. I, I, wish I, had, I, I, wish, I wish I had um, 
talked to David right before to, to make sure that I had the information that you're asking for. Um, I, I know that Lindsay Wilson is in the waiting room um, trying to, to access Linda. Oh, so let maybe, her in, let her in. May, maybe Lindsay has the answer. Come in, Dr. Lindsay. <laughs> um, but I, I, I wish I knew the answer, but I, I don't truth honestly, but I'm, I'm hoping that when we're looking at the same things that we look about when we're, when we're talking about our fair housing assessment tool is what we want to ensure that um, affordability, uh, mobility, looking at um, families growing together and, and having all the opportunities to access the excellent amenities that City of Dallas has to offer. Right, and and I and I understand that that is the the point, and and so we do appreciate you uh, making note to follow up, and we would love to see how we can get involved in any way, um, in a positive way, to help um, confer, share, you know, uh, information, thoughts, ideas, solutions, and so we appreciate you for that. Um, and then we've been visiting a lot about a lot of components just in Trek overall. And, and the public policy committee, you know, we just get excited about a lot of stuff from a policy level. But um, how we, what we've seen and just conferring with, with members is that it's kind of a silo. I mean, anything big in government and bureaucracy. Um, how do you, from your viewpoint, given your, the charge that you have as an ACM, how do you believe is a good way to break down silos um, and work effectively across vertical work teams? How do you get excited about and how you can, in that C-suite room, um, convey what you think would be effective given the charge you have as, as equity inclusion? Right, and I think that's an excellent question. And it is a challenge. Um, maybe, if, maybe if I go back and, uh, amend the response to what are the biggest challenges? What are we not necessarily doing the best at? <laughs> that would be <laughs> maybe at the top of the list because it, it does, you know, in a city of over 12,500 12, employees, right? Um, it's to be anticipated that communications are, are not always easiest. But um, what I would say that I would say this, I would say that uh, it starts from the top. And the city, at least from the city staff side of the house, right, that uh, the city manager came in on day one, uh, unabashed about his his role and his also his emphasis on equity. And, and then the challenge was, well, how do you operationalize that across forty departments, across twelve thousand five hundred, nearly thirteen thousand uh, city staffers, and, and so setting up this governance infrastructure was important, right? Because he could have been saying equity all day long, but without a team that's focused in on it, then and it really is, um, doesn't really have a lot of substance there, but he created that team. And then it's getting the right people on your team, right? To, to be champions for equity. And, and one of the first things that I'll share with you that TC told me when I came on board is, you'll never have all the resources you think you need to have to do the work you do. So be, be influential in, in how you work across work streams to advance the work that you have in your portfolio. And, and really, I don't know that there's a day that goes by without me having thought about that in some respect. And, and so I, I share that same guidance with my team. I think Dr. Lindsay is on, Dr. Lindsay Wilson's on now. And she, is, she has this big scope of having to go through with our budget office every year, figure out how we're gonna operationalize 
equity in our budget systems. And her team of less than a handful of people works with 40 departments to get that done now. And, 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 now, and, and then the other thing is, is that um, they're working hand in hand with her. They call, they call our team for guidance. They, they say, you know, in, they give us little notice. They want our input on how to assess for equity. And so it's really a, a matter of relationship building, prioritizing, prioritizing it at the leadership level, relation, relationship building at this level, and then just the overall commitment to the work and, and having a, a passion and love that drives what you're doing. True. I think it's truly passionate that you hit the nail on the head on that one. And we do commend TC um, and you for taking on the charge to take on this work because it is a labor of love in so many ways and having to be um, very, very effective with your peers. And like you said, city vows is huge. Um, one of the things I did want to touch on, you made remarks about ARPA and one of the new divisions under the reorg, if you will, and just setting out your platform was the Small Business Center. Um, in your role, um, ensuring that we're working effectively towards inclusion and, um, I guess, informing our citizenry, how, what is your strategy? What's the plan so that people know about, I'm just going to pick one thing, the Small Business Center. How are you going to tackle that so people know that it's there and, and how they can access it? Yeah, well, thank you for that. And so... Small Business Center currently reports to uh, Kim Tolbert, who's the chief of staff, okay. and, and just hired a, uh, a new director, and, and I'm anxious to meet her. I have a, a, a it's scheduled on my appointment for Friday. Uh, I don't know that she starts until next week, but, but I was anxious, very anxious to meet her, and, and, and I'm really happy that there's going to be somebody on board overseeing this that seems to have a great resume of experience and credentials around this, but I provide executive leadership also for the Workforce Education and Equity Committee. And, and within that uh, realm of workforce, the Small Business Center has a huge part to play, right? Because as I understand, there's three main foci, one being entrepreneurship, another being workforce readiness, and the other being uh, business diversity. Right, and so, so a large scope of, of work, um, but has to be methodically planned out, right? And so Janie Schultz is our chairperson now, and it's vice chaired by um, Casey Thomas. And, and so we have put together a work plan for, for this year, prioritizing not only external workforce related ideas, but also internal. How does the city of Dallas become the premier you know, public service employer uh, in our region? And so and that's part of equity building, right, is to ensure that our, our residents not only have the resources they need, but our, our staff has the resources they need and, and their unique, unique, unique circumstances to thrive. And just yesterday, in fact, Human Resources put out a diversity dashboard okay. um, about, you know, where, where we are faring in terms of diversity at our highest levels to all the way down to, to first, first level city staff. Uh, so that's something that guides our workforce issues. But we're also going to be releasing tomorrow, I believe, as the mayor communicated uh, in his state of the city, uh, a workforce plan. And, and, and some of that will be seen, of course, being overseen by this committee that I work with uh, directly. So looking at workforce in terms of how do we focus in on our residents 
and make sure that we're all working in this workforce ecosystem to ensure that our residents have the skills for the future. So that's one way, but Small Business Center okay. will cover entrepreneurship and, and uh, also diversity. And then the work, and what's important, one of the important areas to trade membership is the Office of Fair Housing and the critical role that it plays in the development of affordable and workforce housing throughout the city and being intimately familiar with the housing policy. I know it has purple all the way down to cream and all different things, and it's a, a live document. But one concern is that um, staff often disqualifies projects um, you know, prior it gets to council. So it's not officially disqualified, but the the report is one that would lend people to say, okay, then I'm, I'm I guess this is not, this is a go, no go because of the fair housing report. And, um, and that many of these deliberations are before it gets to council. And has, has the, has your department out of the various divisions that you manage completed the checklist and procedure guidelines that I guess was talked about earlier in this year in the spring? Yes, and that was one of the areas that I, that I covered during the, the slide deck presentation is we, are, we have worked to, to modify and we have briefed the housing committee um, earlier, on, earlier this year about our modified approach. Mm -hmm. um, but we're looking at, at those goals as I, as I had iterated in my prepared remarks about affordable housing in, in high opportunity areas and preventing loss of existing affordable housing and looking at persons with disabilities and looking to make investments in in targeted neighborhoods that have been historically underinvested in right and um and, and those six goals right that that uh, came out of that 2018 regional housing assessment um so that is the criteria that is the foundational piece of our fair housing assessment tool and um, in fact, we just uh, provided a memo to council last Friday that I'm happy to share with, with the group. It, it, it goes up on our website uh, to talk about our modified approach to reviewing these fair housing assessments. And, and, and I know that some, at least as I see it, sometimes there is this narrative that, that fair housing um, perhaps is, is overly rigid and it's a review processes, et cetera. Um, and I think our goal is to ensure that we're, we're being led by what we're called to do as in, in terms of a fair, affirmatively furthering fair housing, but doing it in a way that is transparent, that, that holds us all accountable to ensure, of course, uh, better outcomes for all of our residents. It's certainly not as to be an impediment to progress. Um, and so I will share that memo with you, Maddie, if you'd like. Or, yes, or with I, I would love that. I've spent yeah. most of my career dealing with the firms of fair housing, so I'm, I'm a little probably more passionate than a lot of my colleagues. But um, and we do want it to be transparent. We want it to be not just in higher opportunity areas, but for a very healthy city, also in those areas that have been highly impacted with poverty and a lack of investment. But of course, we want to see how we can support your work. First and foremost, um, as you have a strategic plan, we want to see how we can uh, flank you uh, and support whatever um, we have as a city as a goal and see how we can be contributory. But I think we have probably two, three minutes left total on our calendars. I know we have a set time for you. But I did want to at least offer the members, if that's okay, Liz, if anyone had a question, so we can maybe get one or two questions before our time is up. Is there anyone that had a question? 
that I didn't want to not. Yours were so encompassing that. and excellent that nobody else has one, I think. <laughs> well, we got some housing junkies on here, I'm afraid. Uh, but Katie O'Brien raised her hand. Go, Katie. Yeah, I have a question. Um, I know the mayor, he talked about it again today in his state of the city, and he's talked about it a lot. It's so important to him as ethics reform. Can maybe you preview for us some of the things that you anticipate seeing in the final ethics reform package that council will consider? Sure, well, thanks for the question. Um, so the task force, the ethics task force, right, submitted a uh, recommendations to the mayor. And the big one was going at uh, systemic corruption or corruption that has, has you know, been a blemish on our, our community you know, within the last 10 years or so, really going at it intentionally and using a, other models from other cities as best practices to establish a Office of Inspector General. And so that office would, would hire, a, retain a person who is a, is a lawyer by background to actually hear complaints, do investigations, and to take them before our ethics advisory commission as needed or refer them for you know, criminal, criminal investigation, et cetera. So that's the big thing that comes out of it as well as a, an emphasis on continuing our efforts to build a culture of, of ethics. And so um, sort, of, so, sort of putting a gold star by the work that we have done in establishing an ethics ambassadorship program the culture of training, et cetera, et cetera. So where it goes is, is still to be determined. Um, but I think what they're asked, they're going to be um, amplifying is, is the development of a chief integrity officer. And so, so we have an ethics officer and she, her name is Misty, as I, as I had explained earlier, she does all of our training for new employees, right? But there might be training that boards and commissions don't get from Misty because you know they're not city staff. So I think that's part of that effort is to ensure that everybody has access to similar type training. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that plays itself out. Just as we're trying to get you know people trained up on what are the principles of equity, right? Very important also to have people trained on on ethics, et cetera. And Misty comes to us with 20 years background in the private sector of, of leading a Fortune 200 company in their ethics and compliance program. So we're real fortunate to have somebody of her caliber at the city leading, leading ethics. But in the ethics reform, it's more of a nature of investigating issues related to corruption. Nice. So Nat, Ryan, Ryan Garcia has a um, question. Ryan, do you want to ask? Sure. Uh, it's a uh, specifically regarding um, LIHTC, I know in the past the city's had a um, a preference for mixed uh, mixed income housing and putting market rate units in LIHTC properties. But as we just saw in the last bond lottery, it's near impossible to get funded without being a priority one, which means you have to have 100% affordable units in the development. How is the Office of Fair Housing going to take that into consideration for LIHTC projects moving forward? That's a great question. What's your name, Ryan? Ryan, I'm going to ask Dr. Bento. Priscilla Bento's on the line, and, and we have discussed that. We know that it's a challenge to get financing and make it work uh, for that. But we have also seen that, um, at least for a particular percentage of those programs, right, that, like, that, that it's actually possible. <laughs> so um, we are encouraging, of course, mixed income housing. Um, but in areas where 
it doesn't necessarily call for it, say in senior related housing, right? Well, we know that there is a shortage of affordable housing for, for seniors. Um, that may not be the case. So I think it, some of it is to be flexible in our review processes that takes into account circumstances, demography, uh, changing, changing economy, changing demographic, et cetera, looking to see where there's need for to, need for affordability because an, um, because the community is quickly changing due to gentrification issues, et cetera. But I'll ask her to elaborate on that. And thank you for that question. It's excellent. Hi, Ryan. Are you there, are you there Priscilla? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, when it comes to the fair housing assessment process, uh, the, the key to the process is that every project is different. Every location is different. Every circumstance is different. So uh, we take that into consideration as we go through our tool and we do score according to the goals uh, that were found in the North Texas Regional Housing Assessment which was in accordance with the AFH 2015 rule under President Obama's administration. Um, and as we score, we, we use that as a quantitative method of being able to identify um, where these projects land in regards to these goals. And then we have a second uh, part of the process that includes the summary analysis, which takes each project into consideration. So not every project will include that mixed income uh, uh, aspect. For example, there may be a project that is 100% affordable and has uh, a contract to provide Section 8 housing. That would be a project that would be taken into consideration in a different uh, manner than say a project that is in a high opportunity area that is um, also receiving maybe NOFA funds. So um, we take each project into consideration for what it is, for where it is, and um, it, there's not one blanket um, concept of assessment, but really taking in the, into consideration the granular aspect of each project. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Priscilla. I don't know if I if I can, Maddie, introduce Dr. Lindsay Wilson Absol to see you absolutely. see her face. Where is yes, she? Absolutely. Absolutely. You there, Lindsay? She may she have had to leave. Yeah, she's not on anymore. Okay. Well, I wanted to introduce both Dr. Bento, as well as Dr. Wilson. So you have a friendly face at City Hall whenever you say, hey, you didn't take into account that nuanced approach that you said <laughs> you were going to. Right, um, and we, we appreciate that offer. And we, and you know, I think what we might do for if maybe next year we have a new PPC chair, uh, Scott Warman, and we're gonna like roll over all of our hot topics uh, to, to him. Um, and we do, we, I think we would love to maybe have a listening session or chat about the challenges that, you know, Ryan's a developer, there's a couple other developers on the line uh, that work in both market rate and um, LIHTC. And I was on all the task force meetings leading up to the final uh, housing plans. And so um, heard a lot of the dialogue. And at the end of the day, priorities for bonds, what they'll end up doing is just not, um, have an exemption on the market rate piece and you don't get, you know, it's a different underwriting protocol altogether. So for these uh, practitioners, Dr. Bento, we would love to maybe have a, a coffee time 
and just share our experiences. So notwithstanding the tiering and the second level summary and so forth, which we respect completely, uh, maybe we can just share some of the phenomena that we have in the marketplace with respect to a higher opportunity area census tracts versus uh, District 3, 8, and 4. They're totally different. And um, the, the flexibility to be more um, in alignment with market rate is just, it's just impactful. And we would love to share our experiences. And so maybe we could coordinate that with the, the next chair and some of the subcommittee chairs within PPC, if that would be acceptable to you, uh, Dr. Bento. We, we welcome that. we welcome that opportunity, Maddie. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. Then we can learn and then help our financial partners learn more about Dallas because right now they're pretty scared. <laughs> so we're trying to keep them uh, embraced to go Dallas, so, which is what we love. And we just so appreciate the time you've taken out of your day-to-day um, Liz, to share and give us insight on your strategy. Um, and I, my takeaway was group effort. Um, and I think it is a group effort and, and we're here to be part of the team. And uh, we're just a phone call away. You have Linda on speed dial maybe, and then she'll reach out to us. <laughs> uh, but uh, with that, I think we're probably out of time. We wanna be respectful of everyone's calendar. And Linda, is there any parting words that you have? I just want to thank you, Liz, so much and your team for being part of this educational program for us. It means an awful lot. As you know, we are really focused on increasing mixed income housing and affordable housing in the city of Dallas. And we want to be a partner in whatever efforts that we can to advance equity. Uh, so please keep us on speed dial and let us know how we can help. Thank you all. And I have a follow-up. I know that I need to, to get you an update on the audit of the housing comprehensive housing plan. And thank you, Katie, for putting the, uh, the memo there in the chat for everybody to have. Thanks Give us a holler whenever we need to be of service. Thank you. That's it for today's show. I'd like to again thank Liz Cedillo Pereira for meeting with our members and Bell Nunnally for its support of Track Talks. Please subscribe to the show if you like what you heard today. We've got some great guests coming up before the year ends. And be sure to follow us on social media for the latest from around the organization. Again, those links, all of those links are in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Bill San Antonio. Thanks for listening.